0: Hello and welcome to the DFS Coach Talk podcast. Today is May 17th. It's a wonderful Sunday. It's pretty beautiful out Uh, and I'm joined by my good friend Shane Caldwell Uh, but I think we may have somebody a little different on today.
1: Uh, Yeah I I tell you what man I'm excited about the Las Vegas Raiders this year man. I can't wait to get out to uh, Las Vegas. I tell you what man those fans are amazing out there. I went out toured the new stadium, amazing facility, practice facility, and stadium. So I tell you what, man, in, in Las Vegas with the Raiders, we're getting back to old school football. That's what we do. We're building this team with a lot of those height, height, speed, weight, prototypical, prototypical guys. We're getting back to the heritage. That's how L. Davis liked it. We're getting these fast speed guys going back to old school football. And I talked to my friend uh, Jason Witten out there. I tell you what, man, I told them announcing wasn't for you either, man. You had to come back to football and, uh, you know, you're a lot better football player than you are announcer. You know, you're kind of an old school football guy. I told Jason Witten, we're going to get back to old school running the football. And that's what we're about out here. So we're excited about the year and we're going to sneak up on some people just like Chucky. And we're going to have a great year. And, uh, I tell you what, with all these improvements we made, when we play the Chiefs, we'll probably only lose by 20 instead of 30 this year. So we're looking for big improvements this year with the Las Vegas Raiders. And uh, tell you what, man, we got a lot of good players. We got a lot of good physical players. And me and uh, Mike Mayock, we're doing some special things building this team the old school football Raider way. That's how we do it. And I tell you what, the only the only Mike I know I like better than. Uh, Mike Mayock is my guy, uh, Mike Patria over here, so I'm excited to be on now today. What do you think about my Raiders here, Mike Apatry? <laughs> so
0: as, as, as you guys are listening, uh, we, we do have a little bit of Caliendo. We have a little Gruden. Uh, we have a special guest, it seems, on uh, on today's show, and I'm, I'm super pumped. And uh, if you guys couldn't tell already, we will be talking some Raiders. Some, uh, so uh, I'll tell you what. Uh, I love the impression uh, I, I can never, there's never a bad John Gruden impression they're all wonderful uh, and they're so they're so fun and easy to do I mean you can I'll tell you what there's just the guys the guys one of a kind uh, I, I love them I mean uh, you're either on one side of the coin or other some people hate Gruden some people say he's a terrible coach I'm on the I'm on the opposite end of the spectrum on that one I, I love the dude I, I love that whole uh, you know fire fire me uh, go to Tampa win right in your face and then you know now they've got him back so <laughs> they got the, the guy, guy back like,
1: he makes like a hundred million dollars man he's living his best life
0: man. oh that's cool It's <laughs> it, it was the trade man it's it was you know basically him or Khalil Mack and uh guess guess who won uh it's it's crazy when you think about it but uh that's exactly what we're here to do uh we're, we're here to continue talking about some good old NFL football we're going to be breaking down the Raiders for you talking a little bit about their season last year what we're expecting from them this year some of their draft picks and selections and how they're going to impact this season, uh, and just some good old talk. I mean, it's, uh, some some acquisitions made in the offseason, some questionable ones, some some solid ones. Um, but we got a lot to get to. So let me ask you. I don't know if I'm talking to Shane, I don't know if I'm talking to Gruden right now. But how are you doing today, brother?
1: Uh, this is definitely. up back to Shane. Now let me ask you a question. I'm going to throw you off script again. Uh, do you can you do the Chris Berman?
0: Oh, uh, the the rumblings. The yeah.
1: <laughs> Uh, <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, he he always did. He had about uh, a bunch of different, you know, Swami. things for the Raiders. But he would just love, he'd always, Yo, <laughs> yeah. Do you know, no Raiders. Remember that? I always love that one as well. <laughs> that was, was actually, good.
0: Uh, I was fortunate enough to interview Chris one time uh, when I was nice. in college. So that was fun. Yeah, he was wow. making an appearance uh, at the Travelers Golf Tournament. I used to work that uh, during. So so I got to get hey, it. It wasn't he's a legend. Nice guy, too. Very nice guy. Uh, very, very, very nice guy. Sweats a lot. Um, he was out there where, looking like he was like playing water polo. Um, you would not be able to tell he was golfing, man. He, he was drenched. So
1: He did the Raiders hi- highlights. He brought it, man. I mean, he definitely created a lot of excitement there. So, so the, like I said, with uh, Gruden, they're trying to get back to that old school football ways. Uh, Las Vegas Raiders, everyone's getting used to saying that. Uh, I was out in Vegas uh, in 2019. Uh, in the summer, uh, before all this uh, stuff went down where you could actually jump on a plane and go out there and, uh, went by the new stadium and, uh, it's a pretty, pretty sweet looking stadium. And I talked to a lot of the local residents. They were, they were really excited to have a pro NFL team. So I think it's going to be a, a great uh, fan base there. They already have a loyal following, but I think the Las Vegas natives and, uh, a lot of good things are going on there. I think the fan base is great. Uh, even though you can't really have fans in the stadiums yet. Uh, but yeah, I think it's a great thing for them to move to Las Vegas. I'm looking forward to it. And, uh, yeah, I mean, this, this, this team has made a lot of changes, just like a lot of these teams. So uh, the theme on every podcast is, Hey, it's a year to year league. You can't go by last year's league, right? It's so true though. Right. Especially with a team like this. Uh, I mean, they're making a ton of changes and uh, a ton of improvements last year. They were seven, nine third in the AFC East. So really not great. Um, they really, uh, Defense struggled. Offense uh, was actually decent in yards, but they struggled in points there. Uh, so if you look at their offense, they were actually 11th in yards. I was surprised at that. They had over 5,800 yards. I was like, yeah, hey, it's not really that bad. I can't believe they didn't do that good. Um, they were ranked pretty low in passing, 25th at 4,100 yards. But rushing they did uh, – oh, I'm sorry. I was actually looking at the defensive stats. Pat, I, I was surprised that they were ranked – 11th overall in total yards in passing they were ninth that's what i was surprised that they actually did pretty good there 3,926 yards so they were down a lot so i think they were passing quite a bit putting up yards but they weren't really putting up efficient yards they weren't really scoring and they were 13th in rushing at 1893 uh in scoring though they were only 24th overall which wasn't great uh they gave up you know in terms of scoring they scored only 19.6 yards per game 313 yards so not great there um, and then uh, what do you think uh, about the defense uh, what can you say about the last year's defense
0: defense i mean it was it was tale of two tails i mean uh you know losing abrams on the very first game um, you know one of the first plays was almost indicative of how their secondary was going to look for the rest of the season and that's that was their hole they struggled mightily in the secondary um, you know when we talk about uh, number of attempts teams came in there. They passed on them the seventh most of any other teams in the league so that they teams went in there with that exact strategy and kind of knew that was going to be a hole. Uh, they struggled to give up a ton of yards, gave up a ton of touchdowns, and their corners weren't making plays. Their safeties weren't making plays because they were, I believe, 29th in interceptions in the league. So uh, not a very, very, you know, notable. And we kind of saw that what they what they did in the draft was made that an area of focus. Uh, we. We. You know, if that's one thing the Raiders did really well in the draft is they knew that where they needed the improvement and they focused on those positions and they grabbed multiple options. You know, one guy doesn't pan out. Typical Raider way. Sometimes these early picks uh, don't always pan out. Next guy up, they they get their guy a secondary option, almost like a security blanket uh, and take somebody of equal playmaking ability, equal talent, uh, but maybe just fell for other reasons. So. Um, you know you, you touched on uh, a few of their stats and you know hit the nail on the head I was pretty surprised when I saw that they you know were ninth in the league in yards uh, through the air um I, you know knowing that they didn't have so many good passing options good receiving options you know Darren Waller blew up on the scene became a DFS darling for everybody early on a guy that I was pretty you know proud of myself to be keen on early on and i you know I, early in the first few weeks he was in my he was the only tight end I was playing uh, yeah, I, mean, I knew me too. I mean, if if you did a little bit of research on this guy, he came into the league as a receiver. He's a big bodied guy. He's fast. He's physical. Uh, It was just kind of putting it all together and getting the opportunity. And when they gave him the opportunity, he didn't let it slip away. He had a good catch percentage. He was fantastic. So we're going to get to him in a minute. I I can only talk about Darren Waller the baller so much. Uh, But, you know, I think, you know, I was was definitely shocked by the passing yards, touchdowns. I mean, this team kind of struggled in the red zone in general. Once they got down to the red zone, they really couldn't figure it out. They became pretty one-dimensional. I mean, the only big, you know, threat that they had outside of Darren Waller was Tyrell William. Uh, and, you know, he started off the season hot, but injuries kind of caught up to him. And they were forced to play some of these younger guys and inexperienced guys a little bit more. And, uh, we, you know, we, we saw that and we, we kind of saw how that took a toll on them. I mean, they lost the last five of the six games, so uh, didn't finish the season well. They kind of started a little bit better. And a lot of that was while they were kind of healthy. Uh, you know, we saw Jacobs get a little bit banged up as the season went on as well. Uh, but that was the bright spot, you know, their youth. And their, and we did see some some, you know, diamonds in the rough with Jacobs uh, and Waller. Uh, we saw what Tyrell Williams could do if he's potentially healthy for an entire season. And we saw Derek Carr be pinpoint accurate for the better half of the season uh, outside of, you know, the 20 20 yards or more. Um, and that's kind of his has always been his game. So. Uh, why don't you talk about some of these new additions, some of the subtractions, some of the guys, you know, we'll get to a lot of the draft guys. But I, I know that they made a few splashes in free agency as well.
1: Yeah. So a lot of additions here to try to rebuild that defense. Uh, going back to the defense real quick. One of the things they struggle with is they were 25th in passing yards given up. So people could just attack them, as you mentioned, uh, 24th in points given up. Uh, the reason why is obviously they didn't have very good You know, very good coverage in the secondary. And also on top of that, they only had 32 sacks. They were 24th in the league in sacks. So they weren't putting pressure on the quarterback and they didn't have good coverage and they didn't get that many takeaways. They only had nine interceptions the entire season and six fumble recoveries. So they lost the turnover differential. So that's a success. That's that's a recipe for losing right there. And and they know that. So getting to the veteran additions, they spent most of their money on defensive players to try to rebuild this defense and reload it, and then also hoping guys like Abrams can come back after the uh, you know injured rookie year, kind of retool the defense. So a few additions they made in free agency. Uh, actually just last week, they signed uh, cornerback uh, Prince Mukamura and he played with the Bears last few years, uh, had some solid years. He's a veteran, older guy 31 years old but they really needed some more depth there because they did draft some cornerbacks, but you you don't know what you're going to get out of those guys yet, especially since you can't even get them into camp until, you know, a couple months away. So they brought in a proven, uh, you know, veteran Prince of I think that's a good signing. He is on the decline. He didn't play as good last year, 31 years old, but he's a veteran presence that they can trust at least to, to know, know the defense and play uh, play corner. Uh, Then the big signing that they had was linebacker Corey Littleton. Uh, signed him to pretty big money, uh, three years, $35 million, $22 million guarantee. Now, Corey Littleton really helps the linebacker for them to continue to stop the run. They were good against the run, but he's really good in coverage. Uh, so he's an athletic type of linebacker. He's got good size, so he can match up against those tight ends. The Raiders are synonymous for struggling against tight ends. It's another one of those teams that you'll target. Everyone knows, you know, when they're playing the Chiefs, you want to fire up Travis Kelsey, right, uh, for – against the Raiders. He always puts up, you know, typically like over 100 yards, you know, 7-8 catches, touchdown. So he lights him up. So that's something to keep in mind is you might not be able to attack them with uh, tight ends as much as we have in the past cuz Corey Littleton's going to really help with the coverage when he when he lines up against uh those tight ends there. Uh so that's a big need there. Uh they also got Demarius Randall to play safety, help uh with the secondary depth and then uh they got Malik Collins who is a solid defensive tackle that's going to help them inside Uh, a guy that's pretty versatile as well. And then they got Jason Witten, uh, the tight end, everyone knows who Jason Witten is, and they're going to want to run more, uh, you know, two and three tight end sets, power formations, running the ball. uh, And that's like that getting back to old school football. And as we know, Jason Witten's not as good as a receiver anymore, but he's still an excellent blocker. Um, So he's going to be a good veteran presence. Um, because that's not really uh, Darren Waller's game. Uh, but th- running those two and three wide uh, tight end sets is going to be huge for this uh, running attack as well. And then they can still pass out of that formation. And then they got backup quarterback Marcus Mariota, which is huge because they didn't really have a good backup. I think they had what, Mike Glennon last year. We were joking, they have Nathan Peterman on the roster. So if Nathan Peter Smith, Nathan Peterman is your next quarterback, you might want to sign someone else to back up Derek Carr, right? So, as <laughs> so exactly. Mariota looked, compared to Peterman, <laughs> I think he'll look okay. Uh, so, yeah, there's, there's a lot of additions here. They also got Nelson Aguilar. I know a lot of people didn't like him in Philadelphia, but, again, another wide receiver depth. And then tight end Nick O'Leary, uh, another solid blocking tight end who can catch the ball. Again, they're going to want run some uh, three tight end sets. Um uh, And then in terms of subtractions, there's a lot of guys that they just didn't re-sign. They did lose safety Carl Joseph. They lost linebacker Tahir Whitehead, defensive end uh, Benson Mawaya. uh, And then they lost DeAndre Washington, who has been kind of a staple as a third down back there, you know, a backup running back. So that changes things as well. So those are the main additions. We'll talk about the draft later. But as you can see, a lot of things to rebuild. This defense, and again, it's going to come down to the same theme I talked about with other teams: is they're trying to improve the defense, and they're trying to uh, be po- a power running football team because they have a great, you know, big offensive line. You add in those extra tight ends in there, and you got a great, uh, a great uh, running back in Josh Jacobs who can do everything. So that's what they want to do. When I say old school Gruden football, he he wants to run the ball. Now they couldn't last year because the game script. They didn't allow them to. They were getting, you know, just blown out by teams or getting way down uh, because the defense couldn't stop anyone. So they they couldn't really do what they wanted to do. They were out of what they what their game plan was often last year. Uh, so they they couldn't run, but they're going to want to get back to running the ball more this year.
0: Yeah. And I think that's that was indicative. I mean, that's something that they want. They relied heavily upon last season. Uh, it's obviously they started trailing in games and you sort of have to abandon the run slightly. Um, but this team doesn't want to be a pass heavy team. They want to you know, thrive off of the play action, take their shots when they when they could, uh, when they're set up to take their shots. You know, they don't want to have to be forced to throw deep on third down. They want to just, you know, get get the ball you know, six yards through two carries because Josh Jacobs have it be third and four uh, and then rely upon, on their chain mover, Darren Waller, um, or, you know, set up a play action pass. Uh, they do have the deep threats. We'll get to those guys in a minute. And that's where the play action pass is going to be uh, overused, I think, by them in, those, in that kind of scenario. But uh, we'll jump right into it. Um, you know, I, I mentioned, uh, you know, Derek Carr being especially accurate. Uh, that's kind of been his forte. So we'll just talk about his attempts. 513 attempts last season for three and 361 of those were completed for a 70.4 completion percentage, which is excellent. It's a great completion percentage, 4054 yards, 21 touchdowns, eight interceptions, average 7.9 uh, nine yards per attempt, and yet a solid QBR of 100.8. Uh, and he also ran for two touchdowns so the stats are fantastic Um, when we talk about them it doesn't sound like he made any mistakes and a lot of them he did so with very little to no weapons Um, so give me your breakdown what are you expecting a little bit from Derek Carr this season he's getting a couple more weapons first uh drafted receiver um you know Henry Ruggs We're, we're expecting some pretty big things from him as well but um what are you expecting from Derek Carr and how are you looking at him in DFS this season
1: yeah, so uh, when we were doing, uh, me and Andrew Hansen were doing the Saints podcast, this is related to Derek Carr, I said, Drew Brees, number one in completion percentage in the league. Good trivia question that no one would get, right, is who was number two in the league in completion percentage? And of course, he never would have guessed Derek Carr, so I just had to give him the answer, you know, 70%. So the guy is extremely accurate, efficient passer. A lot of people say, well, he really can't throw the deep ball much, but who did he have the to throw the deep ball to, you know, Tyrell Williams, who was really their only threat. Um, he actually did hit uh, Darren Waller, you know, for some intermediate deep passes. But, you know, I, I like Derek Carr, uh, And I think that if you look at his weapons, now that he has more weapons and also being that this defense is still going to be pretty bad, they're going to have to throw a lot like they did last year, except for I think they're going to hit more big plays. If you look at his stats, we know he was extremely efficient, completion percentage, 70%. He passed for over 4,000 yards. So those are good things. The problem is they didn't have enough plays. They weren't finishing in the red zone. They didn't have that many big plays, so he only had 21 touchdowns. And that's really what the issue was. That's the difference between that average fantasy quarterback in DFS and the elite level guy. So he's the type of guy that now that he has playmakers all around him, Uh, could definitely have more touchdowns and have a lot more big plays and actually take a few shots down the field uh, with that play action that they want to do. So the West Coast system, yeah, they don't really want to take, take too many shots, but they will take a shot occasionally, especially when you have guys like Henry Ruggs coming in. And if you can get Tyrell Williams back healthy, because he was really struggling with his injuries last year uh, you know, they were just very one dimensional in terms of their receiving threats Uh, you know, I mean, they had Tyra Williams, he was injured. Then it was like Darren, Darren Waller. And that was it. Right. Uh, you know, until later in the year, we'll talk about the guys that came on later in the year. So my point is with the bad defense, good game script, and with the ton of weapons and an awesome offensive line, uh, for protecting him, I think there's good things in store for Derek Carr. And, uh, you know, when he plays teams like the Kansas city chiefs, you know, they, they, they typically were losing. I was joking about, how oh, they're getting blown out by 30 points last year, you know, 20, 30 points. He's going to have to throw a lot, you know. They're not going to be able to just run the ball right at So, yeah, when they're in the right game script and they're, and they're uh, big underdogs, yeah, I think Derek Carr is actually a good play. He's not going to be expensive at all. Um, so, yeah, so I'm pretty high on him. Last year, he didn't have any ceiling games. He had games of 23, 22 fantasy points, 21, 20, and 20. So those were really his best games. So he was he was not a good uh, daily fantasy play on DraftKings or FanDuel. He's more of a cash play. You had to hit it on the right week. And again, he didn't have playmakers and he couldn't really finish in the red zone. And if you don't get touchdowns and you're just little getting garbage time yards, it doesn't add up to enough to produce to to win in DFS. But I think it's different this year, and, that, and that's really the difference there.
0: Yeah, no, and, um, you know, the one thing I would say about Derek Carr, I think, entering this season is, you know, he, they did add a ton of new weapons. They have speed on the outside. I'm not expecting him to all of a sudden start taking a lot more chances, though. So I wanted, I wanted to say that just because, you know, if we look at his numbers from last year, he threw for over 4,000 yards, 4,054 yards. His intended air yards were only 3,364 Um, this dude is not a guy that wants to air it out. He wants to make the right read and make the right throw. He wants to maintain his accuracy, uh, and his good decision-making. And that's probably the best quality about him. So, um, it's not something I would necessarily expect all of a sudden, you know, now that they have Henry Ruggs and a healthy Tyrell Williams, two guys that have four, four lower speed on the outside that he's going to be trying to take, you know, three or four or five deep shots a game. He averaged 2.9 deep shots per game last season. Um, maybe it goes up a little bit. But that's also going to, you know, now we have to worry about his interception total going up. So I'm with you. Um, I think the touchdowns are surely to go up. This is a guy that we've seen throw more than 30 touchdowns before when he had some decent weapons around him. Um, I would expect probably similar numbers around 30 touchdowns, probably 11 to 12 interceptions. A few more interceptions come with the territory. Uh, the accuracy will, will still be there. Um, he's He's incredibly accurate on the play-action pass. And if they have a healthy Josh Jacobs all game and those deep threats on the outside, I would expect a few more play-action passes. Um, you know, it, it, and the, the weapons will equal more yards. Is it going to be a 5,000 yard passer? No. Um, I think, you know, probably about that 4,000 to 4,500 at, at the high end of the ceiling. Uh Just talking about that, about with the Raiders offense in total last season, Shane, only 1,858 of their passing yards were two receivers. Uh, the rest were to tight ends, running backs, everything else. So um, that's a very indicative stat that, and why they attack the receiver position so heavily in this draft. So, uh, I think that's enough for Derek Carr. He's going to be incredibly accurate. Is he going to be a DFS fanboy? Probably not as often as uh, some of the other guys that we've talked about and we'll talk about on our shows. Uh, but I think you hit the nail uh, cash game option in the right situations where, you know, he's going to have to throw a little bit more is the way I'd look at him.
1: Yeah, I think, uh, you know, he's like you said, he's not going to be taking a ton of deep shots. I just think he'll be more efficient on the deep shots and having that deep threat you know, guys like Ruggs can literally run those routes that are like clear out routes that creates more space underneath for their Darren Wallers and Tyrell Williams and some of these other new guys, uh, further uh, slot, uh, slot receiver, uh, uh, Hunter Renfro. So more room to operate. So it just means – and and you also have the guys that are really good run-after-the-catch type guys, and that could lead to big plays as well, even if he's not throwing deep. So when you combine all those things, that's why I'm I'm pretty high on him, that he actually could have a few ceiling games, uh, even though he was really bad last year. But who did he have to throw to? Uh, Hardly anyone. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, yeah, I think it'll be a good year. Uh, and I think the, uh, good to another, uh, really important part of this team is the running game. Uh, and a lot of people are high on Josh Jacobs, uh, going into this year. He's, well, he's really before, nice. be- before
0: we just, uh, jump over to Jacobs, let's just spend a quick okay. second. We don't need to spend much time on Mariota, but it yeah. was a pretty big offseason acquisition. A lot of people were, you know, a little skeptical on who was going to be the starter going into this year. That's kind of already been put to rest. It's going to be De- David Carr's, um, Derek, Derek Carr, uh, David Carr, the, the brother, Um, hopefully, hopefully he's not starting anymore. Uh, I think we've had, we've had enough memories of him, uh, but it it was questionable of who might start. It's Derek Carr's job. Um, that's not going anywhere. But they do, like you said, have a very serviceable backup if the wheels fall off, if something happens. It's a very, very prototypical, uh, you know, segue, I guess we could say, because he's very accurate as well. He's that's that's the one thing that's always been surrounding Mariota and his talent in college. He was able to use his legs a little bit, but he was always a very accurate quarterback who tried to limit his mistakes. Uh, Sometimes that's a good thing. That's a bad thing. But it's somebody that can fit that system if something were to happen, to Carr. So it's also maybe Carr's do or die year. And now they have that transitional quarterback where if they decide that they want to step away from Carr, they could play Mariota a year and then take another stab at it in the draft. Uh, many ways you look at it. But anything else you want to say, real quick, about Mariota before we just move on to Jacobs?
1: Uh, No, I think, uh, you know, John Gruden really liked Mariota. You just remember when he was interviewing him when he was coming out, you know, in his quarterback camps, you know, he really liked Mariota. Obviously, the guy had a great college career, very successful. Uh, He's had really questionable Mariota's had really questionable decision making. And, you know, he hasn't been as accurate uh, with his passing and just just a lot of bad throws and decisions. Uh, And he just hasn't performed lately. But for a backup quarterback, he is the type of guy that can come in and win you games. So I think in this type of system, it's a good fit for him. A lot of these little short passes and playmakers around him. You know he can run the ball up the play breaks down as well. So I think I like the fit in the West Coast system for Marcus Mariota in terms of fitting his strengths, and I think Gruden will help improve his game. So yeah, I think he's a solid backup quarterback because, like we said, the alternative is uh, Nathan Peterman. So. Yeah, no, we're not, we're not, and um, we're not going to spend any time on Nathan Peterman. And I've talked a lot about how important that backup quarterback position is because there's been a lot of people skeptical about certain teams spending money, big money on free agency or taking early draft picks that people were surprised by. I think it's good, It's a good move to spend an early draft pick or spend quite a bit on free agency with a backup quarterback. Uh, I think it's a it's a very important position. And you see what happens when most these starters go out. So I think it's a good move by him. So.
0: Yeah. And the teams that you see actually go out there and pay for a good backup quarterback are the ones that actually genuinely believe that they're competitive. Um, you, you know, where if they think that they could get into the playoffs or if they're a playoff type team, uh, they don't want the wheels falling off because, you know, simply the quarterback's most important position. Uh, and th- we've seen countless times. Once you lose your start, look at the Panthers. Um, you know, once cam goes down, wheels fall off it's time to start rebuilding. Uh, and that's just the way it works sometimes. So, uh, but we're going to talk about the, 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 juicy stuff. Now the fantasy darlings, the guys that we're really interested in, uh, Josh Jacobs, um, I absolutely love this kid. Um, I love what he did last season. I'll break down his numbers and then I'll pass it over to you to let you get your thoughts. 242 rushing attempts for 1,150 yards, seven touchdowns, average 4.8 yards per carry, 88 and a half yards a game. Uh, You know, one glaring stat that pops off the page and only 242 attempts. He had 26 broken tackles. Playmaking ability, a little bit of a bruiser. Uh, and he was playing through a fractured shoulder. Um, and that happened week seven for his Green Bay. And then he had to get skin surgery. I uh, had to get a small skin graft on on his lower leg. So there there's a, a bunch of obstacles and hurdles that Jacobs was facing during his rookie season. But he still seemed to kind of run through the wall and still put up, you know, great numbers doing so. So I, I love to put the emphasis on the fact that he had 26 broken tackles and he was averaging 4.8 yards a game when he had a fractured shoulder at some point throughout the season halfway through because – There's guys that can't do that when they're fully healthy. Um, I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing what this kid can do. The addition to rugs, I think, on the outside is only going to help, you know, create that safety to kind of have to stay over the top. Now, you can't stack eight in the box now with two burners on the side like that if they could get open. So I really think this kid's in in Gruden, I think, would probably say the same He's going to be set up for success now. Uh, Going into this season, and I think sky's the limit for him. He's going to be, you know, one of those second-year backs that I gravitate towards. I'm really excited about him. So why don't I pass it over to you? uh, Shed some light on, you know, what you're expecting from uh, Josh Jacobs this season.
1: I tell you what, man. I like this kid Jacobs, man. I think he's a football player. I think he's (laughs) a football player. That's what that's what I would say about him. I think this guy is an awesome football player. He does everything. And they trust him as a truth three down, you know, workhorse type back. They want to run the ball. They're going to get back to that this year. What's impressive with those statistics you went over is he did that in 13 games. Yeah. Not only did he, you know, miss some games, but he was also injured a lot of those games as well and somewhat limited. He was tough to be able to work us through there. So you look at it, uh, if he stays healthy all year, this guy is going to get over 300 carries, you know, where he's going to, you know, probably compete for the rushing title in yards and I think he's going to get double-digit touchdowns this upcoming year. So, obviously, the sky's the limit. They have a great big offensive line. They just want to punish people. Like I said, old-school football, man, old-school football. <laughs> that's it. that's what I think of. And they, they don't just say that, you know, just to say it, right? Like I said, with these extra tight ends, being able to block like Witten, and O'Leary. I'm telling you that they, they are, they, they want to punish people in the running game uh, and they want to try to control the clock and keep their, their defense off the, off the field there. Uh, so that's what they want to do. We'll, we'll see if they can do that. But yeah, this guy's awesome. Jacob's looking forward to uh, a huge season for him. And he's a guy that when the Raiders are, it's a close over, under, or, uh, are, are, it's a close uh a point differential uh going into the week or if they're favored you're going to want to definitely fire up josh jacobs because it's a guy that they will give up to you know 25 to 30 carries in a game they don't if, if they if they need to uh his top draft games last year uh he had 32 points 27 24 19 and 17 and he had solid games in FanDuel as well so he had so being that he only played 13 games uh Great, great uh, fantasy production there. And he's a guy that can just really have monster games uh, in, in the right game script here. So definitely looking forward to Josh Jacobs this year.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you touched on some of his high games. I would expect um, we see a little bit more of those 30-point games. I mean, he wasn't really involved in the passing game last season. i uh, not really expecting him to be overly involved in the passing game this season just because they're hanging on to Jalen Richard for a reason. That's kind of been his prototypical role for the past few years with them. Uh, He's not a big guy. I believe he's only he's under. Uh, I, I don't even want to say because I, I haven't looked it up. But I want to say he's like five, eight, uh, five, nine type guy. He's really small back, scat back type guy. Um, they don't want to use Jalen Richard in, in any sort of rushing role. They that's why they kind of brought in Devonte Booker. But this is Josh Jacobs role. This is his job. He's going to run with this thing. I'm really excited for it. I'm expecting kind of a depressed salary early on just because he's not one of those household names type just yet, there's going to be six to you know, eight running backs, probably a little bit more expensive than him. But he's definitely a guy that I think we're going to see his price tag gradually, uh, gradually increase throughout the season, because you said it, he could easily compete for the rushing title this season. He's great in between the tackles. He's going to probably see 280 to 300 carries if he could stay healthy for all 16 games. Uh, and the Raiders want to run. You, you said it yourself, Mr. Gruden. Uh, they're going to try to play just hard nosed football, control the clock. They don't want to have to change. They don't. The the this offense, you know, it's geared up to take some deep shots if they have to. But they want to control the clock. They want to, you know, when they have to throw to move the chains, dink and dunk, staring Waller underneath passes, that sort of thing. They don't want to have to play from behind. They don't want to have to, you know, throw 40 times a game. That's not how this team is built. It's built on the back of Josh Jacobs. So. Um, I'm really excited about him. I touched a little bit about, about Devontae Booker. Um, I'll just go into him real fast. They brought him in in the offseason, spent four years with Denver. Um, never really got it done in the four years over at Denver. 1,103 yards, six touchdowns. Um, that's basically what Jacobs did better than that in the one season that he was with. Uh, His rookie year with Oakland or with Oakland Vegas. Um, But so I, I would expect him to kind of come in there and be sort of that, you know, spell spell Jacobs when he needs a breather type back. They did draft a guy that we'll get to in a little bit who will probably eventually supplant him. But he, until then, he needs to learn how to pass block. He needs to learn how to play book. And Booker, yes, he's just coming in here. And it's not like he, he's running in training camps either. But he's got experience on his side with four years. So I think that kind of gives him a little bit of an edge over him just to start the season. But we'll, we'll probably eventually see that change. Um, so, you know, now that we're now that we're there and we're at that third running back position, uh, I'll pass it over to you. Because I know that uh, you're pretty knowledgeable about this guy. I see, I see you smiling. I know you want to talk about him. So I'll, I'll let you have at it.
1: I'm, I'm laughing because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw it out there, and it's going to make you cringe because you're, you're sick of these comparisons. I'm going <laughs> to do the comparison. I'm going to do it. You guys will see in a second. I'm about to throw out the comparison. Okay, so Lynn, Lynn Bowden, they drafted him in the third round, 80th overall uh, out of Kentucky. He was pretty much like the Kentucky's entire offense last year. You know, they had some injuries. He played quarterback. He played wide receiver, running back, you know. So he's just you describe him as he's just a weapon. You know, he's an offensive weapon. He can do anything. He returned punts if you want as well. So this is a guy that uh, he didn't really run uh, a 40 time. He didn't run at the combine, Um, but he's the type of guy that's like, a you know, four, three type speed. It's uh, still pretty physical as well. Uh, so he's going to learn they're bringing him in for to be the running back. They want him to be the backup running back that change of pace to Josh Jacobs. And obviously they like speed. They like the explosion he brings And that this offensive line. I think he can actually come in and contribute, even if he doesn't learn the running back position that well in terms of pass protection and all the different reads. They can still put him in there and run the ball. Uh, when josh jacobs is, you know, either injured or just winded in general. So I think that he will contribute. Like he said earlier, it's going to take a little time for this guy to get up to speed, but I don't think it's going to take too long. I think within the first like four or five games you'll see him pop off. Obviously he's the type of guy that can take it to the house at any time. Uh, but this is the comparison I have for him. And I know this is a this comparison is way overused. It's a cliche now is I'm comparing him to Christian McCaffrey. Okay. And before you, people get skeptical on that. No, he's not like Christian McCaffrey. Okay, Christian McCaffrey is 5'11" and 205 pounds. Lynn Bowden, the combine, 5'11" 204 pounds. So they're almost the exact same size. Okay, Christian McCaffrey, he's kind of a weapon type player. He's not just a you know first and second down running back, right? He can he can run in the slot. He can do everything. So can Lynn Bowden, right? He's got he's got good hands. Not as good of a route runner as McCaffrey. So I know he's not anywhere near the player McCaffrey is. I'm saying he has that type of potential if he can become a better route runner. He's got good hands. He's got speed, explosiveness. He can run between the tackles. He can get out on the edge. He can do a little bit of everything. So I'm not saying he's Christian McCaffrey. I'm just comparing him his exact same size as a guy that can do everything and is a weapon and has that breakaway speed. So in that regard, uh, you know, It's similar, you know, Christian McCaffrey did a lot of things at Stanford when he was there, the returning kicks and just a playmaker in general getting involved in multiple aspects of the offense. So that's a similar situation, just Lynn Bowden was literally the quarterback as well. Uh, So this guy really uh, put up some amazing stats. I'll just go over his stats real quick. So he had uh, 30 catches for 348 yards last year and a touchdown. He had 185 rushes for 1,468 yards, 7.9 average which is huge. So only almost eight yards per carry and 13 touchdowns. Okay. Now a lot of that stuff was like, you know, out of the quarterback position, like wildcat and stuff like that, but it still shows the guy's talent in terms of being a a runner. He also passed for over 400 yards and, you know, three touchdowns, you know, he wasn't a great passer, but he doesn't, he doesn't need to be. So I think he's going to be a great, uh, great backup running back and potentially a star at some point in the league. You uh, I wouldn't sleep on this guy, you know, once he can learn the system and learn how to be, uh, you know, learn this position at the pro level. Uh, so I'm pretty high on him. I know he's not going to probably be Christian McCaffrey. I know it's a huge comparison, but he's about the exact same size and a somewhat similar skill set. So that's why I'm going to compare him to him. And so obviously I'm high on this guy.
0: Okay, I'll I'll I'll, uh I'll give you Ty Montgomery. I won't I won't give you Christian McCaffrey on it. I'll give you uh I'll give you I'll I'll I'm willing to settle with the Ty Montgomery. Um, I think
1: Ty Montgomery is actually quite a bit uh, bigger. He's bigger. Yeah, he's a little bit bigger. Physical guy the Lin like the exact same yeah. size, as McCaffrey, so we'll see. It's not a guy that I'm going to be playing in uh, daily fantasy right away, no. but he is kind of like a dart throw GPP type guy that can really pop off, you know? Yeah, in, and, any- I can,
0: and I can see him definitely being used, um, in that wildcat kind of formation, um, you know, under center for, for the Raiders. That's something I could see. I could definitely see him being used in special teams early and often. Um, So that's kind of the role I'm anticipating right away and then slowly kind of slotting in as that change of pace back. Like you said, maybe it's as early as week four or five. Um, We'll see. Um, It depends on how fast he picks up the offense. If he's anything like what I'm hearing about Henry Ruggs with this dude, just regurgitating the offense, uh, you know, day in and day out. And then I think this is a good transition. um, Then, you know, he'll probably be in there a little bit sooner rather than later. Uh, But. We're going to transition to wide receiver. Now their new number one wide receiver, twelfth overall pick out of Alabama, Henry Ruggs, of third, uh, absolute burner, four-two speed, six foot one ninety. Uh, first thing I thought when he was drafted um, was this is just a prototypical Raiders pick, an Al Davis type pick. Uh, you know, not the consensus number one receiver off anybody's boards. I think he was probably around that four, uh, maybe maybe three. Um, I had him probably around five, uh, but, I, you know, it is what it is. He's a great he's a great talent. He's absolute burner. He's got good hands. He's not just a burner. He's not necessarily just like a, a Ted Ginn type guy. I'm not saying that's what he is. Um, I'm just saying I thought that there was probably two or three receivers I would have rather seen them take. Uh, I thought that would have been a little bit better for their offense. But that's that's Raiders. That's Oak, uh, I keep saying Oakland, man. It's tough. I'm never going to get rid of it. I'm never uh, going to get to that. That's why I
1: really emphasize the Las Vegas Raiders. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's tough. It's going to be hard. But, uh, it's like but, the you know. San Diego Chargers, right? <laughs> <laughs> and
0: uh, as far – yeah, right. As far as as uh, as far as Ruggs, I think that he's definitely going to have an immediate impact. Um, is he going to be a, a household, DFS, darling? Uh, week in week out high priced guy like a you know no I don't think that's this offense is not trying to have him be one of those guys I mean Tyrell Williams was seeing a volume of targets last season because simply they had nobody else now that there's a few established people a healthy Williams and a healthy Waller um, I think we're going to see some big playability out of them I think we're going to see almost some Deshaun Jackson-esque type numbers here and there where you know four for 120 in a touchdown type of days, uh, and those are valuable. And those guys generally aren't going to be you know, high market guys that we're paying for either. But just to talk about a little bit of how explosive and how special this kid is, uh, he basically scored on 25% of his college plays last season, which is just absolutely insane. Or not last season, throughout his college, uh, throughout his college career. Uh, 25% of the time this guy touched the ball, he scored. He was playing alongside of some elite talent. Um, in that last season with Judy, and he was still able to kind of make his own mark for his name. Um, and when I talked about his hands, uh, he only dropped 2.6% of the passes in college, so the hands are there. He's just not—he's not an absolute burner. Throughout his college career, his totals: 98 receptions, 1,716 yards, 25 total touchdowns, uh, 24 of those in the air, one on the ground, and 17.5 yards per catch. So. Uh, we can see the talent. We can see the speed. We can see the big playability. Um, and I know you're probably a little higher on him. We've talked about this, I think, a few times already. But what are your expectations for him as far as DFS and what do you think his season long numbers could look like?
1: Yeah, a quick breakdown on him. Uh, so when they asked, everyone knows Henry Ruggs is really fast, 427 guy. And, you know, it's the whole joke. You know, Mark Davis is just like his dad. You know, he loves these guys, and Gruden loves these guys but he's not just a speed burner type guy. Cause you think about speed burner type guys. I was thinking about like John Ross, like he's just like a, you know, like a four two guy that just runs down the field, a little undersized straight line type guy. You know, it doesn't really do much else. He's not like that. And he's not like one of those really big guys uh, that doesn't have the agility. Right. So he's, but he's, but he's got good size. So here's the thing. He's six foot, 190 pounds. So he's got that good size where he can be physical. He can get off press coverage uh he's got short area quickness and great athleticism as well because you could be just fast but not be a great athlete in terms of agility and change of direction those type of things he's he's improving his route running he's only going to get better like you said about the hands this guy has over 10 inch hands uh you know he so he catches everything you know he was a star basketball player you probably saw his basketball highlights yep. where he's just doing windmill dunks on people and stuff i mean the guy was just a freak athlete uh but when uh when they asked Nick Saban about him after the draft. They said, what's the deal with Henry Ruggs? Uh, you know, what do you think about him? He's a really speed player. But besides that, what does he bring to the table? And the first thing that uh, Nick Saban said was mental and physical toughness. Uh, so mental and physical toughness is exactly what the Raiders are looking for. And that's not something you can teach a guy, you know. So he said they said that he was consistently, if not the hardest worker, one of the hardest workers in the Alabama team team. And he's mentally and physically tough. He's big enough to be physical, but like I said, he's got quickness and athleticism and he can, he can really beat you deep as well. So he's going to be a playmaker. And yeah, he's the type of guy that, yeah, he's going to, he's going to pop off on some big games. He's not going to be probably that consistent, but there'll be games where he opens up the, the uh, underneath routes for your Howard Renfro's that we're going to talk about and your Darren Wallers and Tyrell Williams because of his speed and that threat. You have to respect that. And that's going to open up things in the short and intermediate passing game even more because of that four-two-seven speed. It's like when you're playing Tyreek Hill, you have to respect it. Right. So Kelsey gets you over the middle. That same thing is going to happen with this. So this is going to open up the the playbook and the offense so much better, so much more uh, And with with him. I mean, think about, uh, you know, if you put Lynn Bow- Bowden in the slot, you know, uh, and you got Henry Ruggs on the other side as well. With, uh, you know, with some of these other guys, Hunter Renfro and, and Ty- Tyrell Williams, you got some weapons now. Mm-hmm. So you can run four wide receiver sets when, you know, when they're really in a big shootout game, you know, when they're playing the Chiefs and they're down by 20. Tell are telling me know. Nelson Aguilar is not going to get on the field. Of, no, I'm no I am not think so. listen, I, I hope not. I hope
0: not. Uh, that was yeah. that was complete sarcasm in there. Uh, yeah,
1: well, hopefully it's not Zay Jones. I don't know. Uh, so, yeah, so that I think that's enough about Henry Ruggs. But I would not underestimate this guy. And I think that he will have a solid, uh, solid rookie campaign. And I think he's going to open up a lot of the other stuff for the offense, even when he's not making plays. Uh, If you had
0: to if you had to put a number on, let's say, catches, yards, touchdowns, uh, if he plays 16 games, where would where would you think he falls in there?
1: So he's the type of guy that's, you know, probably around like fifty five to sixty catches and probably, you know, eight to nine hundred yards
0: and that's you know, exactly six, what I'm thinking
1: six, six six to eight touchdowns so you know yeah so and that's pretty good you know I mean he's going to have a couple fantasy games uh where he's going to pop off for 25 to 30 fantasy points out of nowhere he's he's that talented uh you know it's kind of like when uh Amari Cooper was there he was you know fast you know he's a little bit bigger guy but you know speed guy Amari Cooper would have a couple bad weeks and then all of a sudden he would have a monster week with Derek Carr all of a sudden when they got into a shootout so yeah so just like we said with all these other teams, you can identify when this team's going to get to a shootout, they're going to air it out, and they use these weapons. He's a guy that you could stack with Derek uh, Carr for sure, uh, with Henry Ruggs being such a playmaker. So so I'm really high on this kid. And I think that uh, with his coaching they received at Alabama, and being that he's a super hardworking guy, high character guy, and, again, the mental and physical toughness, that's what it takes. I think he has those extra intangibles because we already know he has – tangibles right he has all the weapons uh he's going to become a better route runner he's got the big hands he's got the elite speed and he's not just a small guy who's not going to be able to get off press coverage some of these guys can't get off press coverage because the nfl caliber secondaries are you know too physical for these guys this is i I think that he's going to be able to get off press coverage still so i'm so that's why i'm really high on him so yeah we're looking for big things with him and i'm sure all the raiders fans are very excited and fantasy uh fantasy uh players are definitely looking at this guy
0: yes sir and um you know i'm not gonna add too much more because we're already kind of going pretty slow on this so i'll keep it moving pretty quickly um yeah i think you hit the nail on the head as far as yards touch that's like i'm expecting a similar season um i think tyrell williams has still has a very good chance to finish as the number one receiver on this team i think it's gonna be a toss-up between those two guys so i'm going to transition right into tyrell played 14 games last season only started about 12 of them was dealing with nagging injuries in and out scored in the first five weeks which i think is one thing that stands out that a lot of people remember he was just he wasn't a guy that was known to be a touchdown machine early on but when guys went down antonio brown didn't play they needed someone to step up and he did Uh, But he was dealing with plantar fasciitis for the most part of the year. And that's if anybody has ever dealt with that, it's a debilitating injury. It's not as uh, people think it's just like maybe like, you know, sores on your feet or something like that, like uh, like like athlete's foot. Uh, No, it's it's something to do with the tendon in the middle of your foot. It's it's very it's painful. It's very hard to play through. We very rarely see guys play through it and play well. Um, So that's kind of where his struggles came from. Finished with 64 targets. 42 receptions for 651 yards, six touchdowns, five of those coming in the first five weeks uh, and only 190 yards after the catch, which is I thought was a little surprising. But um, I I hinted at it. They kind of needed him to perform in a little bit more of those underneath routes. Whereas when he was in San Diego, he was used more as a pull the the secondary away, um, you know, be that deep threat for him, does have four, four speed, six, three guy, though, with some size. So uh, I'll pass it over to you. I'm expecting a pretty good year from him. If he can stay healthy and play all 16 games, I still think he's going to be a focal point of this offense. Is he going to get as many touchdowns? No, I'd be surprised if he even finishes with six on the year, but I can easily see him being one of those 800 yards for four or five touchdowns, maybe even a little bit more. um, And probably about that 50, 60 catch mark, very similar to what you're expecting from rugs. I think these two guys are going to be a toss up on, you know, which guys probably has a hundred yard game every other week sort of thing. So uh, any anything else you'd like to add on to Williams or should we uh, keep it moving?
1: Yeah, I mean, Tyrell Williams, I think he's going to get a lot of single coverage. He's a big physical guy who can really high point the ball. So I think he will win with the one on one coverage because they have a lot more weapons now where he's not going to be a focal point to defenses as much. So that's a good thing for him. And yeah, he, I mean, he described his foot injury as like his foot was on fire, you know, and he's playing through it last year. So yeah, I think he put up pretty good production early in the year. He kind of dropped off with the injury, but yeah, he's going to be a solid receiver uh, and some people are down on him because he had a bad year last year, but I think if he comes back healthy, he's going to be good. Uh, and then the, uh, you know, the next guy people are super high on is uh Hunter Renfro. Uh, what, what do you think about Hunter Renfro here? I think he's talented. I,
0: I like Hunter Renfro, um, you know, big body guy, 71 targets last season, 49 receptions, 605 yards, four touchdowns. And he really came on uh, midway through to late in the year and not really getting a full snap opportunity early on. So, um, you know, there's going to be some competition we'll get to the next guy that they did draft that, you know, could end up you know lobbying for that slot role eventually. Uh, but I mean, it's, it's Renfro's job to lose right now. He is going to be that starting guy and, you know, injuries happen. He's going to find his way onto the field one way or another in, in different packages. Uh, is he going to end up having, you know, 70, 71 targets again this season? Uh, I'd be hard pressed to say yes, just because they did add so many other weapons that they're going to end up getting some, some volume too. And it's going to be spread thin, but it's another one of these guys that they could use. He's going to get single coverage. Um, he's never going to, he's never going to, pretty much face too much on those underneath routes because waller's going to be pulling him up the middle as well so they have another weapon and uh, you know am i expecting to use him a lot in dfs probably not he's not a guy that i'm going to gravitate towards i think he makes sense as like a one-off type play that's going to be super cheap if you're hoping to get but he's going to be a touchdown or bust guy i'm not expecting a ton of 80 or 100 yard games from him um that's kind of my thoughts on him and that's and i'm going to be going like proceed with caution i'm not going to buy into the hype train necessarily as much as some people might uh, just because, you know, they brought in Aguilar, they drafted Ruggs, and they're going to have a healthy Tyrell Williams. And now they know Darren Waller is a baller uh, for an entire season. So
1: I'm, I, I'm actually I'm actually really pretty high on Hunter Renfro here. Uh, if you look at what he did coming down the stretch the last couple uh, games of the year, 25 fantasy points and 26 fantasy points on uh, DK. He also had games of 18 and 17. Yeah, he did play earlier in the year had some difficulty picking up, you know, the offense and getting acclimated. But I look at this guy as, you know, he's similar to like a Julian Edelman. I know that's big shoes to fill, but he's a true slot receiver and he's a PPR type guy. Uh, I don't think he's going to get a lot of touchdowns. He had four touchdowns last year, uh, but I think that he actually will be really good in this offense, uh, especially in those games where they're going to have to pass a little bit more. Uh, and He's a guy that can rack up a lot of catches. So I, I do like him in PPR formats, like DraftKings. Kings. Uh, and again, he's going to be, a guy that's around, if he's around $4,000, uh, DraftKings, for example, I think he's a great value. And I think uh, just the way he finished last year, uh, even though, yeah, the concern is they're going to spread the ball out. They already want to run the ball and then they got all these weapons. I think he's going to be a primary weapon because Derek Carr is all about those safe, quick passes you know, and I think that Hunter Renfro is just good in that short area quickness category uh, where he's going to wrap up a lot of receptions, you know, so, yeah. I, so pretty, pretty high on the guy, uh, you know, especially if you can get him at a super cheap price. And yeah, I, I think a lot of people will be on him this year. But yeah, it, it's a little concerning with all the weapons they have. But uh, again, it's just another upgrade for uh, uh, for Derek Carr. If he has another safety valve up around the middle mm-hmm. that could be reliable, uh, that, that's a good thing for him. So so you can see it's a it's a pretty big upgrade with the with the receiving core here.
0: Yeah. And, um, you know, we won't we won't spend time talking about Nelson Aguilar. And, you know, he's simply a depth receiver at this point If something. And he's not a slot depth receiver. He's an outside guy. So something would have to happen to Tyrell Williams or Ruggs. And then he'd probably get a crack at the opportunity. But then we also have to factor in that they could just move Renfro to the outside and end up playing the young guy that we'll talk about. And. Um, you know we'll talk about Edwards a little bit more once we get to the draft segment, just because we are moving pretty slow. We got about ten minutes left to still talk about Darren Waller, the defense, uh, and Jason Witten. So we'll we'll just transition right over to Waller, the baller. Uh, 117 targets last season, came out of nowhere, uh, absolute stud. 90 receptions, 1,145 yards. Didn't find Pater too often, only three touchdowns. Uh, one of the biggest indicative stats I think is is just how reliant Derek Carr is on this guy and how. Uh, confident he is in him because he had 53 first downs. So out of his 90 catches, 53 of those were first downs. He really relies on him to move the chains. Um, I'm I'm looking forward to another big season from him. You're talking about Renfro being the safety valve. I think he is going to be a safety valve, but I think Waller is going to be the first thing that he looks for when the play breaks down because this kid came into the league as a receiver crazy athletic. I believe he was drafted by Baltimore, if I'm not mistaken, never really sniffed field for him though. Uh, but the, the, they Gruden is confident in this kid's ability. He's confident in his playmaking ability. And he is one of those new prototypical tight ends of today. He's not the best pass blocker, but once the ball gets his, once the ball gets in his kid's hands and he hits open field, he can make moves. He can break tackles and he's got speed to get to that next level of the defense. So um, I'm, I'm super excited about him. I would probably expect, um, you know, not similar production, maybe a few less catches, like we said, they're going to have to divvy this ball out now. He was really relied on heavily once Tyrell Tyrell started getting hurt uh, and started getting injured. So, you know, we got to take in the factor of Tyrell Williams being healthy uh, Ruggs coming into the picture now and a healthy Josh Jacobs for the entire season. So with that being said, I would say, you know, 900 yards, uh, I think is probably safe uh 70 to 80 catches i think is safe and a few more times in the end zone um is going to happen i think i don't think he's going to finish the year with three touchdowns i'd probably say he's more of that five to six type range maybe even a little bit more if they want to really utilize him because they did struggle mightily in the red zone and having these other options might clear up some space for him
1: yeah i, I remember uh, last summer I, I was researching uh reading training camp reports on the raiders uh, he was everything- hyped yeah, everything and the hype was real, and I was yeah. buying into it. So, I mean, every single like training camp practice or scrimmage, uh, you know, seven-on-seven seven drills, the guys just dominating, you know. And Derek Carr's loving this guy, and they, you know, talked a lot about he had a lot of character issues and issues off the field, and he would he was beyond that now, and he was really staying straight and really focusing on football. And the guy was his talent and athleticism. His, you know, talk about uh, height, speed. You know, uh, height, speed, specimen. You know, height, weight, speed, specimen. This guy is elite in that category. Kind of so once he kind of clicked in terms of off the field, on the field, and really got got in good with Derek Carr, this guy was an absolute tear. And the nice thing, yeah, he's playing like almost like big slot. You know, is what I call these tight ends, which is great because you hate the tight ends that are getting like 80% snap share, but they're like blocking like, you know, 50 to 60% of that time. Right. It's like, come on, they're never going to get a target. I mean, you've even seen games like that from like a George, you know, uh, a Kittle, you know, from uh, San Francisco where he plays the whole game and he never even still gets targets, even though he's a good receiver. Right. That didn't happen with Darren Waller. I mean, he got a lot of targets. He was, he was force fed targets. They didn't have a choice really 117 targets last year. So I don't know if he's going to get that many targets, but I know that this guy is going to produce, and my prediction is it's going to. With those other playmakers like Henry Ruggs, that's going to free up more space for Darren Waller underneath. And Darren Waller is great at those like you know seam passes. He can go down the sideline, you know, those intermediate throws where it's not too, not the uh, super deep, but the pretty deep passes. So he can hit you for those twenty-five yard catches all day, uh, and he can run after the catch as well. So yeah, this guy's this guy's great. Like you said, I agree. I think he's going to have an uptick in touchdowns Uh, last year with only three touchdowns all year, but he had fantasy games of 34 points on DK, 30 points, 23 points, 20, and 19. And, you know, he did that against like, you know, tough teams as well. Um, I think one of the big games was like against Minnesota that kind of came out of nowhere and green Bay and some of these Mm -hmm. tough defenses. So, uh, so yeah, this guy is a baller and they obviously love him. And yeah, he's like a big wide receiver and with Jason Witten being able to block, and like I said, they're going to run a lot of two and three tight end sets. That's, that's even better if Jason Witten can block and, uh, uh, you know, the help with the pass protection. Darren Waller is going to be uh, even more open in the passing game.
0: Yeah, and I think with the addition of Jason Witten, we will see Darren Waller probably play less snaps. Um, you know, does that mean he's going to have a ton of less production? I think he's going to have a little less. I mean, Jason Witten, he's a veteran presence in the locker room. They brought him in to be a veteran presence. Um, but, you know, one of the first things that Gruden and Mayock said is that this dude can still play. So, you know, don't think that Jason Witten's just going to block. He's not only going to block. So I think Waller's probably going to see a little bit of decrease in, in his snaps. Um, but that's okay simply because now he's going to play less of those blocking snaps less of, less of those run oriented design plays right off the rip where you know he's just simply in there to block like you said those will be designed for Witten um, and you'll see Waller still on the field on every third down every passing down every you know option play it's going to be Darren Waller out there still so he's still going to have just as many opportunity to get receptions and to get catches just probably play a few less snaps is what I'm expecting um, and I think we You know, I don't know if we really need to spend too much time on Jason Witten either. I think I pretty much just went over everything. Veteran leadership. He's going to probably play a lot of the run design plays, and he's still going to have opportunities for catches. But I wouldn't expect more than, like, 40 catches for the guy. Maybe 35. Very limited workload. Darren Waller's there for a reason. He's a baller. If if they shy away from this kid in any way, shape, or form, it would be foolish. And I don't think Gruden's that dumb to do that. Um, So... Well, uh, we could spend a quick minute on the defense. We kind of already broke down most of it, though. We talked about some of the new additions. I'm really excited to see them get Abrams back. Uh, I think that's going to make a big difference with their secondary, especially with the additions, the draft picks. Um, we talked about their their line a little bit. Um, you know, they kind of struggled to get after the quarterback. They really only had two guys uh, on their entire team that was, you know, basically getting any, any sort of action in, in the sack department, uh, that being Jonathan uh, Hankins. Uh, I believe he had, oh, I'm sorry, uh, I said that wrong. Max Crosby had ten and a half sacks. Jonathan uh, Jenkins had uh, nine and a half tackles for a loss, it was. That's what it was. I apologize. Uh, Good, so Max Crosby, ten sacks, and I believe they had seven and a half uh, or seven from uh, Brentson Maio, but they ended up losing him. So they had to replace some, uh, some additions on defense. But um, I'm not expecting too much as far as, you know, there there's them getting after the quarterback anymore. As far as uh pressure in the quarterback, they did get a little bit better. They, they really increased, uh, improved on their secondary and their pass protection. Um, so that, that's kind of the way I'm looking at it. Um, I don't know if there's anything else you want to touch on real fast about their defense. If you're expecting yeah. to get any better against the run, that's probably the, you know, the one spot that they were good at last season or better at. Um, but their secondary is where they focus most of their attention during the off season.
1: Yeah, so their, uh, their defense isn't one you're going to target to play as a team defense, you know, in fantasy. But it's a great defense to attack with different, uh, you know, in, when you're looking at the, the uh, weaknesses they have. So they used to have a big weakness at tight end because they didn't have anyone that can cover that. But uh, like I mentioned earlier, uh, now that they uh, they signed uh, Littleton, the linebacker, Corey Littleton, he's known for good pass coverage. So they can put him or one of the safeties on the, uh, the tight end and I would expect that to they'll they'll be a lot better against that position. So you may not attack tight ends as much, but wide receivers, I would absolutely attack uh, and go all in on uh, attacking wide receivers against this. They're starting cornerbacks are projecting probably Trayvon Mullen, who they got uh, last year in the draft, the year before, wasn't rated that high. You know, he's kind of a bigger, bigger, taller type guy, but he wasn't that great in coverage. And then Prince Amukamara, who also had a, not a great year last year. He got beat a lot, uh, gave up a lot of targets, pretty high passer percentage. So Prince of Malcolmara is not getting any younger, even though he's a veteran. So if you're looking at those guys as your starting corners, um, and then Amik Robinson, the, the, the uh, rookie, is a smaller guy, is going to compete for that uh, nickel corners position. And then you got Damon Arnett, who we'll talk about, who I think is a solid physical corner, but I don't think he's good in coverage. Uh, safeties are okay. Uh you know, LaMarcus Joyner's okay. Jonathan Abram, we'll see, you know, uh, he's, he's supposed to be good as well, but he didn't play much. But my point is you can really attack these corners with wide receivers specifically. So if you have a good matchup there, that's something you're going to want to look at in DFS, uh, where you'll really attack those uh, receivers. I uh, don't, it doesn't look like they're going to have a great slot receiver. You can attack the slot or, or you know, slot corner and, yep. and the outside, you can attack them as well. So, uh, that's that's how teams are going to continue to attack them because they're pretty solid against the run as well. Um, so that's what that's what we're looking for there. Uh, it's a great team to exploit that weakness there.
0: Yeah, and that's exactly what I was going to touch on was uh, I think the slot is probably going to be the primary focus for me. I think especially early on, uh, knowing that they might end up playing um He's a rookie. Uh, Anytime you see a rookie cornerback, that's the number one thing you want to tackle. I think that's why they kind of brought Prince of Mukamura in, is so that they don't necessarily need to throw Damon Arnett into the fire. I don't think Arnett's anything too special in general anyway. Kind of a reach pick, I thought. But uh, that's their guy. That's how Oakland does it. When they have their guy and they want him, they don't care what pick they take him at. And we saw that kind of with Henry Ruggs. I I kind of shrugged my shoulders a little bit with that one as well. I thought there was a few guys better, but that's their guy. And you you can't knock somebody. When, When you have your guy and you want to take him and you did your reach, search and you feel confident you you don't go off of your draft board so um i'm kind of with you i think targeting them with the slot is going to be a focal point of mine and i think any any receiver going against them is very well very well in play um these guys aren't anything special but still got something left in the tank uh but 31 years old kind of struggled over the past few seasons so definitely not somebody that's you know scaring me away necessarily like me and santino were talking about the chargers secondary and not wanting to sniff too many teams going against that with the addition of chris harris um not the same situation. I think we could still attack them, and I think the slot is the main way I'm going to do it. Uh, running back. I, the I, start.
1: I would definitely still attack them on the outside as well. I don't trust Trayvon Mullen or Prince of Mokamura. And the other thing about this team in terms of targeting them for deep, deep passes is that they still don't have a good pass rush. So when you combine mm-hmm. a pretty weak pass rush, I don't see the pass rush getting that much better. in a weak, weak uh, secondary, uh, that, that's why they're, they're, they should be really good for fantasy production against them.
0: Absolutely. Uh, I couldn't agree more. Receivers will burn them. Um, I definitely. I'm, I wasn't saying that they're going to be. Uh, don't target outside receivers against them. Not not necessarily. That's not what I'm saying. Yeah, um, you're just saying
1: really. Yeah, on the I slot. I yeah. think
0: that you okay. can generally get away with getting that cheap slot receiver. Uh, slot, there's not many slot receivers on DK and Fanduel who are really priced up. Like, we were just talking about a guy like Hunter Renfro. If it was you know on the you know complete other side of the coin and you know Hunter Renfro going against their own defense, I'm sure we'll probably hear about it in training camps and practice. I think that's where. we're 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 going to see guys like that. You can get a cheap one off guy that plays a slot against them. Capitalize. Sometimes, you know, you can look otherwise. Outside receivers are going to crush them. Uh, But there's plenty of great outside receivers that we want to spend up on and on other teams in other ways. So if you want to get some action in this game, you can sometimes get a low owned GPP guy uh, playing a slot and he can really capitalize. But hey, listen, if you're if you're seeing the Chiefs on the schedule against these guys, I'm not saying shy away from Tyreek Hill in any way, shape or form. He's probably looking at two touchdowns that game. Um, So we'll keep it moving. Uh, We'll touch on their draft. Um, You know, they. I would say they had a pretty solid draft overall, uh, you know, no picks outside of, uh, I believe it was the first five rounds. Uh, they, the f- five rounds of the latest or four, uh, they yep. kind of made some draft day moves, uh, first round, 12th overall, Henry Ruggs. Uh, we've touched on him. I think I nausea at this point, we've, we we've, we've said all we could really say about him. Um, you're, you're excited about it. I don't think it was a bad pick. I think it could have been a little bit better. Um, uh, they had 19th overall pick. That's where they took our net quarterback at uh, Ohio State. And I think that it's worth saying um, he was playing with some injuries during his uh, last season in college. He was dealing with wrist injuries. So, you know, it wasn't the best, you know, eye glaring stats or anything popping off the page. And I think that's one thing that the Raiders took into account was that this guy was playing hurt and he still played well for Ohio. Um, so, you know, you'll notice this has been the Raiders theme throughout years of their drafts is they love to take players from big schools. Uh, they like having the confidence in knowing that they could play at an, a pretty high level coming into the NFL and that they played at a, against elite talent. And, um, you know, I think the only, you know, the only person I'm not in a big school was probably live Bowden. Kentucky's Kentucky. kind of been coming on for football over the past few years, not necessarily known to be a powerhouse as like Alabama, Ohio state or Clemson, like where they got most of their other draft picks. Uh, but there's, is there anything else you want to say about Arnett before we move on to your boy?
1: Yeah, so uh, Arnett uh, Gruden actually said he was watching a lot of Ohio State film because they had a lot of good defenders, and Gruden actually said that he liked Damon Arnett as much as Jeff Akuda, and I know that's that sounds crazy because Akuda was obviously by far the number one corner, so he liked him just as much. Of that, uh, he really showed a lot of toughness. Arnett did last year when he had a fractured wrist and he played through it uh so he played a lot of toughness there and i think they just like the fact that the guy's a solid tackler he can help and run support he's just a big physical guy that can press you and they want to be able to get up and press press these wide receivers with this scheme uh and his comparison this is from john gruden of a pro level comparison was a keep to leave which is a pretty good uh uh, cornerback there yeah so so i know that's big shoes to fill but i'm just telling you what gruden said so You know, he's he's just a big physical guy. So if he can improve a little bit in coverage, I think he'll be good. But my analysis is that I think that he's not going to be that great in coverage. In terms of his quickness, ability to kind of sink the hips and change directions and stay with these NFL caliber uh, route runners, so I don't, I don't think he's that good in coverage, and that's where he's going to be a weakness there. Uh, in terms of physicality and the run game, he's really good. He excels, and he doesn't really have that good of like ball skills either. So that was the weakness on him. So that be uh, is going to be to be r- remains to be seen, but I think they want him to start. But uh, they did sign a m- Mukamura because they definitely need insurance policy because things were looking rough if Arnett flopped. You know what I mean? and, yeah. and especially no injury. camps
0: or nothing like that. And I've got to the guy the time to get any, any okay. uh, you know, time to really know the plays, playbook, defensive schemes and stuff like that. So um, yeah. I don't think that was a situation that they really wanted to walk into. And yeah, they, they just like got them. themselves a quick little insurance policy.
1: Yep. And we already talked about Lynn Bowden. I think he's going to be a great running back that they're going to develop. And then uh, Brian Edwards in the third round, I really liked. I think yeah. he's going to be a receiver. that's going to get playing time right away. Uh, now, the comparison on this guy was like his body's built like T.O., you know, Taro Owens. You know, he's yeah. big got 6'3", six, 2'12". Six, uh, he was the number one receiver in South Carolina history, and South Carolina's had a lot of good receivers. And, again, he's a big physical-type uh, receiver. Uh, the Raiders had a second-round grade on him, and they got him in the third round at pick 81. Uh, and last year, South Carolina, he had 71 catches, 816 yards, and six catches or six touchdown catches, and he had similar production the uh, prior, prior years before that as well. So Brian Edwards is a guy I look forward to as a solid uh, receiver that we'll get on the field this year as well.
0: Yeah, I'm excited about this kid. I think he's a he's got all the intangible 6'3" big-bodied guy. He's going to compete uh, compete for some slot targets, I think right off the rip. If something happens, we've already talked about the either outside receiver, we could see Renfro move outside. We could see this guy come into the slot. I think that would probably be the uh you know, the, the biggest the biggest beneficiary for him, and I think that's probably how he'd find himself on the field. I don't know if he's necessarily going to outplay Renfro um, off the rip. Renfro's already got the experience. He's already got the relationship with Carr. He's kind of already got the playbook down, so it's going to take some time for this guy to really find his way on the field but he's he looks like he's out he has all the intangibles you said the Raiders had a second round grade on him I I think that's perfectly fair um I I think he's going to be a very very uh you know talented kid in the league um it's gonna be tough to, to really separate himself amongst this group unless there is an injury. Uh, but, you know, I think I think they even talked about him in the draft saying he was there. Michael Pittman pretty much, you know, having that big body type guy that they can use. He's very physical. He can get those contested catches um, across the middle. That's that's his thing. And he can even go up there and possibly be a guy that they use in the red zone as well. So um, excited about him. I'm Definitely excited about him. And we'll keep it moving to the other third round pick. Tanner Muse, linebacker out of Clemson has started their Clemson run, they took a few guys out of there. Doesn't look like he's